You ready? Yes, feeling good. This is The Nudge. (laughs) Hey, guys. Hey, everyone. You're listening to The Nudge with Julian and Ash, where we turn our goals into actions. And in previous episodes, we've been looking at this concept through different aspects of life, such as career goals, traveling, big drastic changes in your lives. And even last episode, when we spoke to psychologist Dr. Emily Cothy about how we can influence this behavioral change ourselves. Yeah, so I've actually taken a page out of Dr. Cothy's book this week, and I prepared a pumpkin soup on the Sunday which I ate all week. Yeah, so similar to her cutting up carrots and celery. That's good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wanted to get organised and I thought, okay, this is the best way to do it. I know it's going to be cold this week. And so I made a soup, which I'm not going to lie, I got a bit over by day five when you've eaten (laughs) soup for dinner and lunch every day. But yeah, it's so much easier during the week knowing that I'm coming home to a meal already prepared. It's healthy enough. You know, I'm not stopping and getting some hot chips on the way home. Sorry to put hot chips in your mind, everyone, now. (laughs) But, yeah, so that was really great. Yeah, I think that the main point that we got from that interview with Dr. Kofi is the importance of making things easier for yourself in order to achieve what you want to achieve. Because in a glimmer of motivation, whether it's one time in the week where you organise everything, if you do that, it's going to be a lot easier. And so far, we've looked at how we can do this individually to motivate ourselves. But for many, it's not that easy as some people are more dependent on others and rely on the company of others in order to achieve what they set out to achieve. So we're going to be exploring the concept of extroversion. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I mean, everything sort of ties back to these sort of ideas of personality traits and how they really influence our day-to-day lives, whether it be at university or in our careers or anything like this. So it's pretty exciting that we're delving into this today. Yeah, and in order to see how we project these personality traits on others and with groups of people, I think it's really important for us to take it back a little bit because it really ties into this famous quote by Sun Tzu, who is a Chinese military strategist and philosopher who wrote The Art of War in the 5th century BC. Have you heard of The Art of War, Ash? I have briefly, but I don't know much about it. Yeah, so it's like this big military strategy about how to best tackle certain challenges in life, i.e. a battle (laughs) or a war. (laughs) Um, and, And there's a portion in The Art of War which states, if you know the enemy and you know yourself, you need not fear the result of 100 battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, every victory gained you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Which is quite deep, and I personally feel like it's heavily relatable to this concept. I don't want to suggest that our friends or our colleagues are our enemies, or even our you know lifelong goals are that much of a battle or a struggle. But if you know yourself, you'll get a best be able to assimilate with others and achieve your goals. Yeah, definitely. It's really important to have great self-awareness, don't you feel? Yeah, and I think you and I both have that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. I mean, I, we're in I talk a big game yeah. with knowing myself. So. Yeah. We're, in, we're in episode nine, so like, I think that's something as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're quite self-aware. I think we're very reflective and we're a bit self-critical, but I think that that works quite well for us, especially with our friendship, because I think you and I have a friendship that not many other people have. We're able to be really honest. We're able to really balance 
balance out each other. And I'm sure we're all really self-reflective, but for those who want a little bit more, there are actually some personality tests out there that are quite telling. And there's one that I'm really obsessed with, which is called the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, otherwise known as MBTI. Have you heard of that one, Ash? Yes. I mean, that's the biggest one going around. Mm -hmm. It's been around for years, hasn't it? Yeah. So if, you know, you're scrolling through Tinder and you see a four-letter acronym that you don't know what that means, that might be the MBTI, someone just branding themselves by that personality type. Wow, do people do that? That's actually a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I mean, that's kind of good, isn't it? Get to the point. Then you can learn their strengths and weaknesses. Exactly. Get to the point. (laughs) Um, So for those of you who haven't heard of the Meisenberg Type Indicator, it's an introspective self-report questionnaire basically designed to indicate someone's psychological preferences in how they actively tackle life and the different things that life throws at us. And basically, it's tested on four different spectrums, and you can fall on either side of each of these four. So basically, there's introversion and extroversion. The second one is intuition versus sensory, thinking versus feeling, and perception versus judgment. And basically, there are 16 different combinations that a person can have with these different personality traits. So it's quite specific. I did this test multiple times, and each time I got the same result, which was INFJ. Okay. So what is that combination for our listeners? So it is introversion, intuition, feeling, judgment. Right. So basically, this is actually the rarest of all personality types. So I'm a little proud for that. So you love that because like, it's a bit alternative. You're a bit hipster with your personality. Alternative, not hipster. Oh. Like Everyone's <laughs> hipster. No, because I, I like to be the black sheep. I like to be the misfit. I like to be a bit different. So yeah, 1.5% of the human population have this personality type. 0.5% of males have this type. Okay. So I thought I was quite different for a man. I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more empathetic, and that is true, according to this test. <laughs> but, like, you know, we're very talkative, we're very social, but we get our energy a bit more from our solitude. That one sounds perfect. I mean, you, <laughs> yeah, you've got the I'm perfect the, balance of all these different personality traits. I'm just the perfect human. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so which one did you get? So I am an ESFJ. Okay. So that means that my traits include being extroverted, sensory, feeling, and judgment. Okay. So, yeah, it's a big one for caring about others and being very emotional being, I guess. You're often thinking about how things affect other people and more of the emotional and feeling side of things rather than having strong convictions about things. So I'm actually not as individual as Julian. I make up 12% of the population, my personality type, which is... I don't like as much. I want to be a bit different as well. <laughs> but you were, you were even saying that you don't like your personality type. Yeah. I mean, pros and cons, definitely. Yeah. There's things that I'd love to change, but it is very difficult to change your personality. Mm. And on top of that, the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator offers really in-depth descriptions on each of these combinations. And these descriptions don't just stop there. They explore our strengths and weaknesses, romantic relationships, friendships, how we would raise our children, career paths workplace habits yeah. it's quite in depth to the point where it's it's you know can it be this accurate and according to mysbriggs.org i'm about to read a bit of a description on what it means to be an infj and ash you can maybe assess the validity it has on me okay so infjs seek meaning and connection in ideas relationships and material possessions They want to understand what motivates people and are insightful about others. They're conscientious and committed to their firm values. They develop a clear vision about how best to serve the common good. And they're organized and decisive in implementing their vision. 
I feel like I've just read my obituary. Do you think? Okay. <laughs> that, that's, like, that's like pretty much me in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, I think it is like you. Yeah, and Ash, let's put your self-awareness to the test. This is what org has to say about ESFJs. They are warm-hearted, conscientious and cooperative. They want harmony in their environment, work and determination to establish it. They like to work with others to complete tasks accurately and on time. And they want to be appreciated for who they are and for what they contribute. Yeah, I reckon that is me. <laughs> <laughs> because we've been saying, like, you, you're you're more of the people pleaser. Mm, yes, and actually we have brought that up in previous episodes as well. Yeah, I definitely am. And, I mean, it can, it can be a good thing, it can be a negative thing, but, yeah, I really am all about teamwork and making sure everything's on task, but also making sure that everybody's happy and enjoying what they're doing. So Yeah. And for our listeners, you guys are probably listening to us talk about these personality types and saying, oh, but that's me. That's completely normal. This is a very subjective topic. And the Myers-Briggs type indicator basically defines a lot of these different personality traits a little bit differently to how we would normally perceive them. For instance, intuition versus sensory. Basically, they define them as someone who's very intuitive is mostly thinking towards the future, while someone who's sensory is focusing on what's going on right now. Feeling and thinking, however, is a little more self-explanatory. You know, someone who's connected more so with their emotions versus with their thoughts. And then there's perception versus judgment. Someone who's very perceptive basically keeps their options open before they make a decision, while someone who's more judgmental basically wants to take control of their environment every single chance that they get. So those three are really representative of how an individual works towards their goals. And then there's introversion and extroversion, which we're going to be defining a little bit more today because a lot of people identify introversion and extroversion as how social you are versus how unsocial you are, which is totally not the case. Mm. Yeah, so that's really interesting about introversion and extroversion because it's more about what we put our energy towards and where we get our motivation from. And I remember when I first learnt that... My mind was blown because mm-hmm. people never think about it like that. Exactly. And it's not always so clear cut. So in the first episode, Ash, when we introduced ourselves by our type indicator of introversion and extroversion, I said I was the introvert of the duo and you were the extrovert. However, it's not always clear cut. This concept is on a big spectrum. And especially with the Myers-Briggs type indicator, you're given a percentage. So someone can be 51% introversion versus 49% extroversion. I suppose it's really circumstantial, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely on a spectrum because we all possess qualities of introversion and extroversion. We all feel really comfortable around certain people and really shy around other people. I mean, we all have times where we're alone. I don't think it's a thing for people to share their dreams. So there's at least eight <laughs> hours out of 24 that you're alone with your thoughts or, or with you know your subconscious. So it is natural to you know, go up and down on that spectrum. As I said, I'm a loud introvert, so I'm very social. I can definitely put the social hat on, especially when I'm working. You know, I'm not scared to approach someone for an interview or to ask certain questions that would actually draw forth a certain response. And even outside of the professional sense, you know, when I go traveling, I'm at the hostel, you know, I'm meeting mm. people, I'm I'm there. I'm not, you know, alone in my in my room. And I'm sure you're the same. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because you identify more as the extrovert, do you have times where you're a little more introverted? Yeah, so I mean, when I meet more important people in work environments or when I'm networking or something like that and I know that they're an important figure, I can be a bit more in my shell. So, I mean, in times like that I am, but I'm something like 79% extrovert or something right. like this. Well, I mean, you were the one who didn't want to go island hopping on your own <laughs> when on a family holiday. Yeah. <laughs> Whilst I'm like, let me get away. <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, this really ties in with another personality test that is around called the Big Five. Yeah, so it, it's actually derived from MBTI, and it basically tests five different things, each on its own spectrum, once again. So they test closed-mindedness versus open-mindedness, disorganization versus conscientiousness, introversion versus extroversion, agreeableness versus disagreeableness, <laughs> <laughs> and calmness, relaxation versus nervousness and high-strong personalities. So it's quite similar. Like, mm. they're testing very similar things. The only difference is it doesn't actually culminate all those different things into one personality that people can relate to. And that's something that MBTI does really well. It actually puts all these different things together. You're given this combination, which is one out of 16 personality types. It's given a name. So the name for mine is the confidant. I've seen on other websites it's considered the advocate. Yeah, and ESFJs are usually a consult or a supporter. They're like a, a nurturing role. Yeah. So, like, it's really attractive to, to see these. And I highly recommend to our listeners... If you haven't done the Myers-Briggs personality test, just Google it, give it a go, and it'll give you really descriptive results on what your answers to the questionnaire say about you and your actions. And one thing that I actually like about this test is that it sort of coincides with what our show is about in the sense where all the questions basically test how you actually act and live your life as opposed to your ideals. I personally feel like it's the best way for someone who's not as reflective and self-critical to really see how they're living their lives and maybe make that change that they need to make. Yeah. Do you feel, though, that uh, a person doing the Myers-Briggs test, for example, they're being put into a specific category, then they feel like they associate with other people that are in that category, even though that some of these personality traits might not be as concise to certain people in different circumstances, things like that. Whereas the big five, for example, just puts you on a spectrum. So maybe if you're a higher-end extrovert in the big five test, maybe you'll feel like you relate to others that are sort of up there. You're not put in as much of a box. Do you yeah, think that's... totally. Because that spectrum takes into account the entire spectrum. It's just where you fall on it. As opposed to Myers and Briggs, where all of my extroversion is just taken out of account and I'm given that I. Exactly. And, and, same, and, the, and the opposite with you. So I think that although the big five is not as attractive, I guess it's more open-ended. Yeah, and I think sometimes when we are looking to learn more about our personalities or we're trying to find answers about why we react in certain ways, I think we want to have a definite answer yeah. that we don't get from Big Five. Exactly. And there's not always a definite answer. But it's an interesting question that you put forth, Ash, because one negative of the MBTI is potentially something called the Barnum effect. And have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Okay, so it's a psychological phenomenon where individuals will feel that they would personally relate to a description of something that they feel is tailored specifically to them. But it's actually very vague in general, so it can potentially be applied by a wide group of people. So this is seen mostly with things like horoscopes. Yeah, because in different circumstances, you might feel differently about things. It's exactly what we were saying before about me being more introverted when I meet new people or something like that. Totally, yeah. So we can relate to anything on, on any different level. So I think that that is potentially a bit of a negative with MBTI because I could very well see the results from your 
MBTI test dash and think, oh, well, that relates to me. And this is also called the acceptance phenomenon because people simply accept something without looking into the actual evidence behind it. And people really want to relate to people. People want to feel included. People want to include others. I think that's a part of that extroversion in everyone. But I think everyone wants to be a part of some group and have some level of identity and belonging. So, yes, that makes me a proud INFJ. (laughs) But at the same time, I'm not closed off to relating to any of the qualities that are typecasted for an ESFJ, such as yourself, Ash. Like, Mm. I think that even though you and I share that FJ, I think that there's a lot more that definitely bridges the two of us together and keeps our friendship strong than just our inclination to be feeling people and (laughs) and judgmental. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But I feel like we do bond with those as well. Mm-hmm. So these are ways for us to get a bit of a glimpse at who we are through our actions, but it's important to not take these results so literally to the point where we're allowing ourselves to be completely defined by these scores, as that may close us off from developing further understanding of ourselves as humans, because, I mean, humans are a lot more complex than a test. So it's about how we can use this knowledge to give us insight of ourselves and how we act both independently and interdependently. I think that a test like the MBTI can't always grasp who we are to the core because a lot of who we are are our ideals that we can't always translate through our actions. And these questionnaires are heavily based on our actions. And a lot of these situations that are put forth really test how we would act or react in situations rather than how we personally feel or what we would want from a situation. So some situations include you find it difficult to introduce yourself to others. And that's tested on a spectrum of three points towards agreeance, three points towards disagreeance, and one point in the middle being neutral. Another question is you often get lost in your thoughts that you ignore or forget your surroundings. So that is what you do as opposed to what you would like who you feel you are. So, I mean, a way that we can relate this to us is if we're trying to make a change. We might want to be somewhere, and that willingness to change is definitely a part of who we are, but according to this test, it's not because we haven't made that change yet. Yeah, definitely. So, for example, it might give you a scenario where you um, have to either suggest that you strongly agree or disagree on the scale of do you go out with your friends every weekend? And you might be the sort of person that wants to go out with your friends every single weekend and hang out with people, but you may not necessarily have friends that want to do that because, you know, they're a certain personality type or, you know, they might be busy, they might be away, things like this. So it really is dependent on different circumstances. So you will definitely in that instance, if you're not hanging out with your friends every weekend, have to say strongly disagree. And even if that's not what you want, it is the actions that will take place. Exactly. It's really objective. And it's unfortunate that such a subjective topic is being objectified by an acronym. But... Mm. At times, I think that could be beneficial because it really showcases what we're exploring with this podcast is our actions and our actions expressing who we are, our priorities, who we want to be. And it is very representative of this famous quote by the ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle that we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. And it's a really well-known quote, and I think it's really reflective of this message in that the test doesn't have a full scope of the reasons behind our actions. However, it is very indicative of the fact that actions speak louder than words. Yeah, definitely. 
so I guess it takes that self-awareness to another level where you're objectifying it and you may be really surprised by what you receive in the results because you may not have thought about your actions as thoroughly as who you feel you are as a person on the inside. Yeah, it goes to show that it is a bit more flexible. You know, you can change an action and, you know, maybe you receive a positive response or a negative response to the way you acted and then you can change that about yourself. So, yeah, so I think with all of these different factors coming from these tests, it's important to realise that we shouldn't be taking it too literally. It is insightful, but as long as we can use that information to better ourselves to not only achieving our goals individually, but with others, that's the main thing. Yeah, definitely. And that's a really big part of the last personality test that we're going to be talking about today, which is a profiling exercise called DISC. And DISC is an acronym that stands for Dominance, Influence, Steadiness, Conscientiousness. And as Julian was just saying, you know, we possess a little bit of all of these traits, so we have to take all of them on board, but there are traits that shine through a bit stronger. And this one is really used in work environments. So this is where I first heard of this one. If you're a dominant person, you tend to be direct, firm, and sometimes forceful. It doesn't necessarily mean it in a negative way. It just means that you value taking action and getting results. And sometimes you are a competitive person. So usually this is a leader Mm -hmm. or, you know, somebody at the top of the food chain in a management role. But these people are also really good salespeople because they want to get results and they are quite direct in their approach to people and They don't have any sort of emotional attachments to things. Whereas the next person, which is your influence, tends to be a bit more outgoing, enthusiastic and optimistic in nature. And they like to work collaboratively rather than competitively. So steadiness. So these people tend to be patient and a bit more accommodating. So they're more of a motherly figure in an office situation. They enjoy stability and they tend to be collaborative and enjoy helping other people. So those sort of personalities tend to be receptionists or assistants, PAs and things like that. And your last personality type in the DISC profiling is conscientiousness. So these people are usually analytical and they can tend to be reserved as well. Also like an S personality, they enjoy stability and they prioritise accuracy. So this personality type tends to be an accountant, for example. They like to have things done in a very organised, structured way rather than a creative sort of way. So although you usually display all of these in some sort of form, you tend to have two sort of standout personality traits. Yeah, and these results are actually displayed differently to MBTI and the Big Five. It's not on a spectrum, but it's done on a big pie chart. So it's showing that we possess all four. So what two did you get, Ash? Yeah, so I'm an influence and then I have a a little bit of conscientiousness as well. Nice. My two most dominant traits are tied, both at 35%. So mm. D and C, so dominance and conscientiousness, makes up 70% of my personality, according to DISC. And I actually do resonate with that. So like you, I am very hardworking and conscientious and organised. But at the same time, I do feel comfortable taking a leadership role in certain situations. And I mean, this personality test is really directed towards how we best work with others. So it's really directed in that sense, which is great. That's a good strength. In my current workplace and in previous workplaces, we used it. And basically, the executive team sort of um, made everybody take part in it so they knew how different people would react to 
um, different personalities in an office environment because it is really testing when you're working with the same people in the same space eight hours a day. And really balancing out these personality types. So if someone's lacking in something, it's made up for in someone else's abilities. Exactly, yeah. So in my past workplace, my CEO would actually employ people based on their disc profiling, which is pretty nuts, but it's because she wanted a certain balance of personalities in the office, um, which I don't necessarily agree with because I don't think we should be put into a box because of certain traits. So I hope that disc profiling is actually accurate because it would suck (laughs) if it wasn't and you didn't get the job because of that. But a potential flaw could be that when you're doing this test for an employer, it's really easy to answer the questionnaire with responses that you think the employee is looking for for that role. And I have had this discussion with people in the past who actually told me that they did this. Have you experienced that as well? Yeah, also the same thing. Yeah, obviously, if you're doing the test yourself with no employer, you know, looking at it and judging it, you will give the most honest responses for the most accurate reading. Because I'm sure we all want to see that objective side of who we are, because it's really cool to see it in a statistic. Mm, Yeah, definitely. It's unfair to objectify such a subjective topic, especially because DISC is different to MBTI in the sense there are questions that are about your personal ideals as opposed to just your actions. It's not all about action with DISC. So I highly recommend everyone give these tests a go just for the fun of it because going back to that quote from Sun Tzu who wrote the article before, you need to know yourself and you need to know what you're up against in society in order to flourish. But regardless of what you identify as, it's all about how you can get the best quality of life, both alone and with others. So as we said earlier in the show, in previous weeks, we were looking deep within ourselves and how we can best turn our goals into actions. And that really related to doing it through a sense of introversion without socializing with others. And that's sort of easy, in my opinion, at least for me. But I mean, ultimately, we're surrounded by others. We're surrounded by family, friends, all of whom don't have the same goals as us. So when we're with them, it can be quite distracting. But yeah, I do enjoy working alone and with others. However, according to these personality tests, I happen to work mostly alone. So I would like to put myself a bit more out there and work at achieving my goals with others, which is sort of what I'm doing, you know, in journalism. Every day you have to talk to someone new. Yeah, I think it's really important that we learn from different people and different personality types and we sort of realise that different strengths and weaknesses can add to us or they can negatively impact us. And I mean, there are definitely reasons for doing things by yourself. So it's a lot easier to really achieve our goals when we're a lot more focused. And I think that definitely taps into that sense of introversion. But then there's a lot of reasons to do things with others, which taps into the extroversion, which is getting inspiration and motivation from a group of people, which can definitely help us. But at the same time, it's about balancing their agendas with yours. I mean, I think I'm quite empathetic. And Ash, your personality type is the quote-unquote console or the supporter. Yeah, I often feel like sometimes my goals can get a little bit skewed when I'm thinking of others and how things will affect them. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not a quote-unquote people pleaser, but I do tend to hold back certain feelings in order to allow for things to go a lot more smoothly in a a working environment so that there's minimum conflict. So I think that that's something that I like, but at the same time, definitely a reason why I do like to go solo sometimes is so that I'm not distracted by others. I don't need to worry about social or political antics. I can just be myself uncensored and allow that to help me achieve my goals. Yeah, I feel exactly the same. Like when you're dealing with different people, you can sometimes get very distracted by them. And uh, I often like to take myself away from 
people if I have an important task that I need to get done, just finding it easier to prioritize things when you're not thinking of other people's agendas and what they want or they need from their relationship with you. Mm -hmm. And in the first episode, we did say that we would discuss a bit of a quote-unquote battle between introversion and extroversion. I mean, where on that spectrum do you think is the best formula for acting on and achieving our goals? Oh, this is a tricky one, actually, because I, if I really think about it, I think we learn to adapt with whatever personality type that we do have. It really is a subjective topic and there's yeah. no easy answer for it. There's no easy formula. You know, we could speak to 100 psychologists and they would probably tell us the same thing. Yeah, I think so. And I think one thing that's really important is knowing that your personality traits don't completely define you and you shouldn't feel negatively impacted. You just need to use the tools that you have and really work it however it needs to be worked. So Ash, we have been saying that we wanted to join a couple of groups and do some networking to help expose us to others and allow us to engage with as many different people in this field as we can. So I mean, I think we should totally do some networking, join some groups, get inspired and maybe we can inspire some others as well. Yeah, and I think it's really great to open yourself up to different people as well and see how you mesh with others. Yeah, because ultimately that type of exposure is going to open you up to so many different opportunities and allow you to see your goals from a different perspective and, yeah, allow that to shape you. Yeah, it could be a confidence boost, you know. Somebody might come up to us and say, wow, you're doing awesome things or, you know, might uh, inspire you to take a leaf out of somebody else's book. Yeah, or it could just completely intimidate you and just make (laughs) you think, oh, no. (laughs) Well, I was trying to be positive here, but that could happen also. Yes. Since the beginning of the year, Ash, we've been acting on our goals, but we haven't been merging that with a big fact of life, which is that we're surrounded by other people all the time. So maybe if you know we meet some like-minded people or even completely different people and we see if we can stay on track and even succeed in some of our goals, that will be really interesting. Yeah, and who knows, we might even be inspired by the people around and we might create some new goals. Yeah, you never know. But guys, if you want us to try something in particular, a different social activity, let us know on facebook.com slash the nudge podcast. We're open to trying anything within the next couple of weeks. And yeah, episode 10 will be all about regaling on these stories and I'm sure we'll have a couple of funny ones. Yeah, and another reason you should go and check out our Facebook page is because we're going to be posting all of the personality tests that we've actually undertaken up there. So that is facebook.com forward slash the nudge podcast. Yeah, and you can see what personality type you get. Mm-hmm. And we're also on Twitter and Instagram at the nudge podcast. Make sure you follow us there. And if you want to listen to this podcast again or you want to share it with someone else, you can check us out on Omni and iTunes. Yeah, so thank you so much for listening. We hope that we've brought you some insightful information today. Yeah, and you'll hear from us next time. See you later. Bye.